Welcome to the Pest Web Podcast, where we talk about the products and strategies pest control professionals are using to earn customers and grow. Each episode, we sit down with industry experts to bring you business tips, market trends, and technical information you can use. It's a fresh perspective on what it takes to succeed in pest control. This episode of the Pest Web Podcast is brought to you by Bird Be Gone. Opportunity hatches every spring. Are you ready to grow your business with bird control? Sign up for the Bird Be Gone University virtual training course to learn everything you need to know to make more money this year. Google Bird Be Gone University to register for free today. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the PestWeb Podcast. I'm Andrew Asir, Senior Marketing Manager at Viserys. Thrilled to be with you today. We've got a pretty interesting topic around wildlife management, specifically as it relates to bird control, something that PMPs don't often consider as they do look to branch out into various areas of the business. You know, in past episodes, we've looked at things like mosquito control, turf and ornamental. So I'm I'm pretty excited to uh, spend some time now with Aaron McKay with Bird Be Gone, looking at how bird control fits in. So without further ado, I'll introduce Aaron and we'll get underway. Aaron, great to have you with us. Really looking forward to the discussion today. As we look at bird control, it's definitely an area of the business I think that PMPs don't often consider as, as equating to wildlife. And I know that you guys uh, at Bird Be Gone have had some podcasts really educating PMPs to the opportunity. Certainly a great way to add value to their their customers, as well as a, a lucrative pursuit to grow their business. Can you just give us an overview of kind of how you see bird control and how it ties in with wildlife control in, in general? Sure. Yeah, well, I think at the end of the day, the, the primary goal is, is to protect the health and the safety of the customer from pest vertebrae. And I think the the wildlife industry in general is, is conditioned to consider wildlife ground-based vertebrae. They're, it's just not a, a consistent thought process for them to look up for pest bird activity or to look down to, to identify uh, pest bird debris or droppings around the structure. And I think that lack of awareness is just driven by, in general, the the popular or cultural understanding of birds is that birds are cute. Uh, birds are are creatures that I sit on a park bench and feed. Uh, I I put I hang a feeder from my tree. You know I invite them to my area so I can enjoy their presence. And birds are they they are beautiful to look at. But behaviorally they're really really interesting. But I think the general population just doesn't know pest birds and their debris can carry up to sixty communicable diseases. So I think that's step number one is just market awareness. I think uh, in general, the wildlife industry is not aware that pest birds and their debris actually pose a, a legitimate health concern to uh, individuals, whether they're individuals working at a commercial facility or homeowners in a residential setting. Yeah, I would say that uh, absolutely. I mean, just looking in our own backyard, we've got a few live oaks. And from one of those live oaks, we've got a bird feeder. And we think that's so cute. And as soon as a squirrel shows up, we're like, uh-oh, here's trouble. You know, it is kind of a mindset that starts with the customer. And I, and I would think that, you know, as a residential customer, that I definitely fall into that. And so when I have a PMP come in and service our house, you know, I'm not really thinking about that. But I, I got to think like for commercial operators, you know, if you've got a 
grocery store chain, uh, at least here in Austin, Texas. I mean, grackles are so loud. And before we kind of go into, you know, talking more about the, the wildlife component of that, what do you hear from from PMPs that, that Bird Be Gone works with in, in terms of residential versus commercial accounts? Is there anything, uh, any specific trends around bird control or like you say, this, this thought that, oh, these are just cute, harmless animals? Uh, well, a couple of things, just as far as kind of trends we're seeing in the market in general, I think with the current context of the pandemic, uh, a lot more individuals are working from home. And because of that, they're aware of the issues that are happening in and around their home throughout the day where, where otherwise they wouldn't uh, notice that. And what we've seen is on our e-commerce side or the digital side of our business, like a lot of people with a, a web-based presence, our sales to residential purchasers directly through our website increase significantly. But typically what we see in the life cycle of a, bird con- a residential bird control customer is they try to sell salt. And usually when individuals are trying to self-solve, they start with the easiest, cheapest solution and not with a lot of planning or forethought. And this isn't to, to, to speak negatively or down to, to residential customers, but they want to do, I'm, I mean, as a homeowner, I want to keep my home safe and I want to do it in a very, very cheap economical way. And with, with bird behavior, typically that doesn't work out so well for the homeowner unless they reach out and contact a, a professional, whether a professional in the wildlife industry or they contact us uh, directly. So with that burst in, in kind of residential direct sales, uh, we're seeing a halo effect where consumers are not satisfied with the results of their attempts to self-solve. So uh, operators are getting increased calls for residential customers. Uh, wildlife operators are getting increased calls like, hey, I have this issue. I cannot have my my Zoom calls with a woodpecker drilling on the side of my house. It's just not not possible. Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, forget about the three year old in the in the room, you know, running around with toys and such. But uh, the the uh, the birds outside. Yeah, that makes sense. And it's a great point because I think, you know, looking at how COVID has changed things that absolutely has changed the calculation. And we've talked about in the past where that's really impacted PMPs just in terms of servicing those residential accounts where they're spending more time outside versus inside the structure. And so, you know, looking again at how this ties in with wildlife management, you made a comment earlier about you know, folks really not necessarily looking up or down. Can you can you expand on that a little bit? Uh, yeah, uh, I may, maybe, and also maybe to connect it to your comment about you know providing services inside the structure versus exterior to the structure. A lot of residential and commercial users are a little bit more hesitant to engage a service provider inside their home, and a lot of PMPs and wildlife operators have have seen their business impacted from that genuine fear. I think one of the the cool things for bird control specifically, they're one of the issues you can see from outside the structure and not just from a close external inspection. Oftentimes you can see the issues literally from the road. So it's it's an opportunity where you can identify potential customers or support your existing customer base as you're providing, um, you know, your existing services while you're there, look up and look down. So you're looking up for bird activity. Are there a large number of birds roosting in an area, perching in an area? Are they nesting? Can you identify those things? Or when you look down, do you see evidence of their debris or their droppings? And these are all external signs that are oftentimes very, um, you know, again, easily visible from the outside of, of the structure. And I, and I think once you identify those things, it's, just committing to having the conversation with your customer. 
make them aware of, of the potential issue or ask them questions. Hey, I, I noticed this nest here and these droppings. Uh, how long have the birds been here and how has that been for you? Uh, and oftentimes that just opens up a very, very easy conversation to demonstrate, hey, you have expertise and, and you can actually provide a service to bring relief if there is a concern or a problem. You, you make a great point about asking questions, and that's one of the things that we, we seem to return to as we talk about uh, PMPs diversifying their business is you're not necessarily doing a hard sell. You're just doing your job and that you're helping protect the structure for you know for the customer. And you know we talk an awful lot around exclusion as it relates to rodents. And you know one of the comments that that's made from our side with PMPs is that you're, you're basically now into the the wildlife management piece of the, the kind of the the on ramp, if you will. How do you relate that to kind of stepping into bird management? Yeah, that's a great question, and I think uh, the, the analogy. Uh, with existing wildlife control and bird management is just the principle of exclusion. So with specific species of birds, you actually will have a penetration of a structure or them getting behind into cracks and crevices uh, that can be easily excluded. Uh, So for wildlife operators that are looking to diversify their business, a lot of the principles they use for rodent control can actually provide them value with, with bird control. Again, I think it's just giving them the eyes to look for it. And, and the thought process uh, to process that information when they see it. So are they actively looking for birds? And if so, a lot of, a lot of the, the exclusion methodology that they, that they use for rodents can be applied to birds as well. So let's, let's dig into that a little bit more in terms of inspection and observation. Like what are some kind of basic, you know, watch outs, uh, you know, around that? What would you be looking for specifically? Uh, yeah, uh, that's a great question. I think I think it starts with the behavioral conversations with uh, with the customer. So what are they seeing? What are they noticing? And usually with bird behavior, it really depends on the species. So if it is a smaller uh, bird species, say sparrow or a similar type bird like a finch or something like that, they can get into small cracks and crevices. Uh, we'll often see them building nests in drier climates in in rain gutters. Or if you're in the southwest. Uh, or the southeast in areas where you have kind of Spanish tile applications, you'll see sparrows literally building nests underneath um, the voids in those Spanish tiles. If they're larger birds, uh, it, it becomes easier, right? Because their debris is typically larger. Their nest sites are larger. So you're, you're usually looking down on the ground for uh, larger uh, accumulations of droppings where you can see that a bird is habitually in that spot, in that area, basically engaging in, in behavior that that, uh, you know, where they leave their debris. So talking about kind of the uh, rogues gallery of, of uh, bird pests, who are the usual suspects? Uh, yeah, so in, in, uh, in North America, there are three uh, species of birds, and this is a conversation we always have with people that are looking to get into bird control, uh, whether they're, you know, a PMP or a wildlife operator. Pigeons, sparrows, English house sparrows, and starlings are the three non-protected species, meaning they are not indigenous to North America and you can engage in any sort of remediation practices uh, no matter what the bird is doing, if they're nesting or not nesting. Every other bird in North America is, is protected under the Migratory Bird Treaty Act, um, which has been in place for well over 100 years. I, I think we're, we just crossed over 100 years. 
So, but the typical heavy hitters is pigeons, sparrows, starlings. You mentioned grackles already. Woodpeckers, geese, and seagulls are probably the ones we get uh, we get calls on most consistently. But pigeons are by far kind of the, the biggest heavy hitter. Right, right. They, they, I think the analogy was flying rats, um, the, the non-technical description, <laughs> um, except for when you're feeding them breadcrumbs on the park bench, I guess. Yeah, we, we actually like to, to describe them as uh, dollar bills with wings. <laughs> there you go. And, and I definitely want to want to pick up on that one um, a little later, because I think there is absolutely an opportunity there for, for PMPs. And you talked a little bit about things to look for, you know, common problems uh, and, and issues. And it, as you rightly point out, it really starts with the conversation with the property owner. But is there any other kind of telltale signs that, you know, if I'm outside and I'm treating lawn and landscape, you know, if I look up at the roof line, what what am I looking for? Or do I need to get up on the roof? Uh, it really depends on the type of structure. Uh, if it is a commercial structure and you're talking about, a, you know, a, a tilt-up building with a flat rooftop, uh, if you're ever doing some sort of site evaluation or providing a service, uh, usually that is the best vantage point to see if there are any existing bird issues related to that structure. You know, because oftentimes pigeons uh, will will kind of build uh, nesting sites or use HVAC units as a place for uh, shelter and water. But also just behaviorally, birds want to be uh, on a ledge that's elevated. So it maximizes their visibility of the surrounding environment for potential food sources and potential predators. And they want to be on that ledge for um, quick exit, right? So if they if they need to bolt because of a predator, they can take off. So yeah, you're looking at uh, you're looking at roof lines, uh, you're looking at parapet walls, and just seeing, hey, is there bird activity? And that's that's one of the consistent things you'll see uh, if you are a PMP or a wildlife operator in in more of a, a metropolitan area or an area that has a lot of commercial buildings. You'll see pigeons, uh, like a flock of pigeons. It could be, it could be five, it could be ten, it could be hundreds. They'll fly in a circle, typically around their primary roosting spot. So if you see a large flock of of pigeons flying in a radius or a circle, uh, you're very, very close to an area where there probably is a, an untreated bird issue, and that's an opportunity to have a conversation. Okay, so you've talked to the property owner. You've you definitely seen that there is activity and um, now the, the owner is asking, you know, okay, well, what what can I do about this? Um, and so what are some of the products that, that really come into play specific for bird mitigation, bird control? Yeah. And um, again, through the lens of a wildlife operator looking to add bird control to their business. So they're committed to having the conversation. They've noticed the issue, they've had it, and there's a problem uh, from there, it's diagnosing uh, what types of uh, remediation solutions you have at your disposal. And when we're talking, having those conversations with wildlife operators, it's what type of bird is it? Where is it on the structure? And what is it doing? And based on how you answer each of those three questions, those are the three primary questions that you're, you're basically going to make a recommendation on the best type of solution. And where we see um, uh, wildlife operators getting into bird control often go wrong uh, is, you know, let's say uh, it's just bird activity, uh, consistent bird activity on a ledge. They're not nesting there, uh, but they're there every day, just leaving, making a mess and, and leaving their debris everywhere. So if they think bird control. Bird control is oftentimes equated to bird spike because bird spike has been out in the market for, for a, a couple decades now. So bird control equals bird spike. They put the bird spike on the ledge. And then two weeks later, they get a frustrated call from the, the customer because the birds are still there. 
so that would be a, a key kind of very consistent issue we see uh, where a an operator suggested a product for the wrong type of bird species. Spike is designed for pigeon-sized birds and larger. So what type of bird is it is key. So if, if it's a sparrow, you want to make sure you're choosing products that are specifically designed for smaller species. Uh, so in that case, that would be, you know, your bird jolt flat track, which is an electrified uh, track that's effective on all species. Uh, and it also would, would depend on where it is. If it's just a ledge, uh, that track is great. Um, Spectrum V holographic bird gel is great. It's a, a visual olfactory or a smell-based uh, and tactile or touch-based deterrent that, that uh, impacts all birds. So we've talked some about, you know, kind of the different opportunities that present themselves after the inspection piece, and you've had the conversation uh, with with the site owner. So what are some, you know, kind of easy wins, if you will, for whether I'm a wildlife management operator or a pest management professional, what are some easy wins in terms of products to, to help mitigate the, the issue? Yeah, that's a, that's a great uh, question. I think... Um, maybe to step back and, and frame the question this way. I think the easiest wins are the, the wins where you're trying to address an issue where the bird behavior is recent. Uh, so the, the likeliness uh, or yeah, the likelihood of uh, effectiveness is significantly higher if you're stepping into a scenario where it's not an embedded bird issue. Um, so those are always going to be easy wins. If, so if you can step into the Oh, so something that's not, like a chronic, but it has just recently happened. Yep. Oh, interesting. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, cause, cause the longer birds are connected to or embedded in the structure, the more their, their pheromones get spread everywhere. And then you have the generational kind of imprinting on that, on that location. Uh, it just becomes a lot harder to break that connection uh, to a structure. Uh, so easy wins are, are recent issues, but as far from a product perspective, uh, oftentimes, you know, because we had a, an earlier conversation about, hey, answering the questions, what type of bird is it, uh, where is it on the structure, and what is it doing? Uh, a lot of people getting into bird control hear those questions as complexity. Uh, and uh, I, I think there are some products that do not require a ton of technical expertise and, and can drive effectiveness in, you know, 80% of the issues you're seeing. Uh, and that would be the avian block bird repellent and the Spectrum V holographic bird gel. From a technical kind of installation standpoint, it requires no special training. The Spectrum V holographic bird gel, uh, you just adhere it uh, on flat ledges in the structure. So it's, it's a great ledge product. And then the avian block is it's a, a pouch about the size of the palm of your hands, and you can hang it on a hook, place it on a ledge, or put it anywhere. So it, it doesn't require a lot of installation time. And both of those products are actually a small footprint, so you can keep them on the truck. Uh, so if, if you are going around and committed to having uh, conversations with customers about birds, uh, you can actually treat some issues on, on the first visit. So you're not having to pay for additional mobilization costs uh, to reschedule, reschedule another visit uh, out there. So the, the avian block bird repellent, uh, just to get a, a little bit more information on that, it's, it's using an active ingredient called methyl anthranolate. Uh, which has been used uh, since the 70s to uh, kind of uh, deter pest bird behavior. Uh, it's the food grade extract from the seeds of grapes. So human beings actually use it as a flavoring or a tincture in a lot of food that we eat. But when birds inhale or ingest it, it impacts their trigeminal nerve. They don't, it's just not a fun experience for them. And it, it's just passively diffusing. Uh, it's, a, it's a solid uh, material in a, in a pouch. 
and it's passively diffusing that methyl methylene into the environment 24/7. Is there any um, adverse effects to uh, other wildlife, uh, non-target species, whether it's squirrels or anything else like that? No, it's just egg laying egg laying uh, vertebrates. Okay, the so birds. Yep. So unless you have a duck-billed platypus or something, you, you're probably okay. <laughs> yep. Okay, good to know. Yeah, yeah. And then the Spectrum V-Gel, tell me more about that. Uh, yeah, so it's it's a, basically a tri-sensory gel-based product. Uh, so gels have been used in the market again. It's a trusted solution. It's been out there for a long time. Uh, it, so if a bird, um, may, maybe I'll, I'll speak about it from a, the behavioral perspective of a bird. So as a bird is approaching a structure, they're flying over it. The Spectrum V-Gel actually has uh, some some holographic flex embedded in the translucent gel. So as the bird is flying over the gel, any sun that is impacting those holographic flex is throwing off visual flashing to the bird. Uh, and if, if, it's a, if, if they're not already committed to being at, in that structure, since they can't identify what that visual flashing is, they're gonna choose to go somewhere else. And now as they get closer, say they're more committed to that building or they have an established relationship, they'll get closer. And then they can start to smell the smell-based deterrence. So um, the essential oils of, of peppermint and citronella are known bird deterrents. So the birds can smell it. And then if they if they get really, really close, say it's like an embedded nesting situation and they're not scared off by the sight or the smell, if they touch the gel or step on it, they expect to be able to pick up their, their feet like they normally do. But the, um, the viscosity or the stickiness of the gel resists them pulling up their feet and they don't like feeling that resistance at all. So that they're they're going to take off and, and not want to be in that space. And it, it helps me understand that the point that you made earlier about it really kind of depends on how embedded they are within the structure. So that if it is new and you it is a recent issue, they could be dissuaded fairly easily. Whereas if they do have, like you said, generations, then they may actually still try to land. But now there's that tactility that they're also coming into. So it seems like it's uh, both of these are pretty versatile uh, from that standpoint. Yep. Yeah. Easy, easy on-ramp products. So what would you say in terms of graduating? Okay. You, you've had some success here and now you are thinking about maybe some taking on um, uh, and, and whether you sub it out or not, we can talk a little bit about the economics around that. Cause I know there are, there are companies that will sub out that particular work, but you know, if you, you're an operator and you want to take this on, is spikes the next thing? Is it flat track? Like, where do you graduate to when you feel like you're pretty comfortable now with that? Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, so the Spectrum V and the Avian Block are non-structural products. You're, you're not permanently changing anything to the structure or permanently affixing anything to the structure. Uh, so it, it would basically graduate from non-structural products to structural products. And as far as the ease of installation, yeah, it would probably go spike uh, would be the easiest. So you just glue it or screw it. So again, it's not overly technical. Um, but with the spike, you just want to be aware it's primarily a ledge-based product uh, for pigeon-sized birds uh, and larger. Uh, and then you have your ledge-based product, the bird jolt flat track, which I mentioned earlier. It's an electrified track. Uh, the reason I, I love the, the bird jolt uh, is because it does impact all species and it's not visible at all from the exterior of the structure. So yeah, very low profile. So you're adhering the strip to the, to the, to the horizontal surfaces or the surfaces you want to keep birds off of. Uh, and then you're connecting it to a charging uh, uh, base station, which is either plug-in or solar, uh, but you don't need to be an electrical contractor. Uh, it's just one way, uh, the transmission of current. 
that's alternating super low voltage. It's not going to hurt a human being, uh, but it definitely uh, reminds the birds that they're alive and they don't want to be there. Uh, so the bird is actually completing the circuit when they step on, on the track. Uh, and then from there, you're stepping into more kind of labor intensive uh, products, the bird wire, which architects love. Uh, it, it keeps uh, pigeon sized birds and larger off ledges. It's a, it's a small wire that has a, a, a spring actually in the run of wire. So when the bird steps on the wire, their weight displaces that, that uh, spring, uh, presents an unstable landing environment and they, they don't want to be there. And then we have net. So if, it, let's say on, on the spectrum of, of bird related issues, let's say it's the worst you can get. It's a, it's an embedded situation. The birds have been nesting there for years or decades, right? Uh, and that, and that type of situation, the only way to, to solve that or one of the, the best ways to solve, uh, that those types of really serious embedded bird issues would be netting. And you're basically establishing a barrier, a physical barrier that the birds can't get past. So just, to, I mean, again, I'm, this is I'm new to me, very interesting. When you are doing a, a chronic job, there's obviously in, on the pest management side, there's a clean out. Is there a, something that you can do that will have immediate effect that will give the crew time and space to do it versus swatting away? I'm imagining like birds trying to nest and land while they're trying to put the netting up. Like what, what do you do when you're trying to get started on that? Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great question. I think cleaning it out is, is the first step is to remove all the nest and the debris and do a good job sanitizing, uh, the area, cleaning the area, obviously being, being, uh, sure to wear all the appropriate PPE. Uh, and, and w- once you clean out that area and you do it well, it removes a lot of the trace pheromones. Uh, so the birds aren't going to be as incentivized to be in that space. Uh, but let's say it's an embedded, like, you know, five-year, 10-year-long pigeon-related issue. And let's, let's say it's in a canopy at a commercial uh, you know, warehouse or distribution facility. And the birds just, they're persistent. Uh, and they, they keep wanting to get into that net area. And you can't, you can't, uh, you can't keep them out while you're actively netting th- that space. Uh, there are actual funnels you can put into the plane of the net that allow birds uh, to, to escape and not get back in. But, but, but typically what, what we see is that if you have an active job, let's say it's you know, a medium-sized job and it takes a day to a day and a half, if you have consistent uh, human activity on, on lifts or other mechanical devices to get access to the location, the birds, they'll, they'll be roosting or perching in an area nearby, uh, but typically they, they try to steer clear of, of, uh, of humans. The, the, only time you'll see, the only time you'll see like aggressive bird activity uh, is if there's there's an active nesting scenario, and then you, you just want to be sure that it's a non-protected species. So if you're trying to treat a, a nesting seagull issue, uh, you might want to bring some uh, baseball gear to protect yourself because th- they will go after you. Yeah, yeah, I was envisioning the worst case, and so thank you for that. That 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 kind of uh, paints a, a definite picture there. So you know, we talked about the the. Uh, basics, if you will, in terms of how to identify and have the conversation around bird management and, and talked about some of the products. What, um, all right, I'm ready to go. I'm, I've got, um, I've got a plan. What are some of the pitfalls or, or challenges as an operator that I need to be aware of? Um, and then who can I go to for help if I have questions? Sure. Uh, I think consistent challenges um, are access, so not planning for appropriate access to the location, because obviously we're dealing with birds, uh, so it's not an uncommon thing for those locations to be at elevation. So it, it, if it's a commercial setting, 
Uh, if you can uh, work into the bid, you know, legitimate uh, lift access, it's always going to make the job safer and faster for your crews doing, I mean, you could do work off of a ladder, uh, but it's a definition of, of manual labor. Uh, obviously, in the wildlife sector, um, individuals are going to be much more comfortable being on ladders and they have regular access to those equipment, uh, that equipment is usually on, on their truck. So you can't access as an issue uh, typically as much for wildlife. Uh, operators. Uh, so access is, is something to be aware of. And then depending on the nature of the bird issue, again, having the conversation about how long the birds have been connected to that structure. Uh, typically, if you're talking about a commercial environment and the birds have been there for a while, uh, you need to do a thorough site evaluation because more likely than not, if you get them out of that location, uh, those birds are, are, are going to exert as little energy as possible to reestablish uh, their nesting site or their, their activity location. So they're gonna go somewhere close. So where, where, where are the other locations um, uh, on that site that are prime for bird activity? Uh, so when you're having those initial conversations and making the bid or the proposal to the customer, uh, it's saying, hey, these are, these are some areas of concern I have uh, that the birds might, might move to these locations. And that way, when that, that behavior um, does happen, you're perceived as the expert and the, the, the job uh, is still seen as a success because they're not in that, uh, that, initial, uh, that initial location. Um, so you've changed the behavior, you've met the customer's expectations and you predicted what the birds would do. Uh, so that makes that, that, makes that relationship uh, better, right? You're seen increasingly as the expert and the trusted expert. Yeah. And I would think also this is a, uh, I mean, I, it's a great opportunity also to, uh, you know, you're servicing one house. Again, I'm thinking specifically residential. You know, Mother Nature is going to fill that vacuum or, or that's going to, it's going to displace somewhere else. So, you know, why not talk to the neighbors or, or you know, about, hey, I just took care of Bob's house. You might want to consider this because, <laughs> you know, birds, to your exact point, aren't going to want to, you know, if they can be in the same general area, why not just go next door? Yeah, no, I think I think a perfect case in point and another potential on ramp on ramp for wildlife guys because they are regularly on residential roofs uh, is the solar industry. So solar arrays, solar panels provide a perfect habitat for pigeons to nest. And depending on the market, uh, so California, Nevada, Arizona, Colorado, the Northeast, Florida, areas where you see uh, the usage of solar panels in, uh, skyrocket we're seeing uh, pest bird activity skyrocket. So we have an operator or, or a, a good friend out in, in Denver that actually goes through, through you guys as a distributor. And he, I think he's on his sixth or seventh order of solar panel mesh in the last three months. And he's just, it's going down, down uh, the neighborhood. He, re, he solves the problem for one customer and the pigeons relocate, they go to the next customer. So he's, He's made it a business practice of having conversations with neighbors. Hey, I just, I just took care of the pigeon issue under the solar panels for, for Bob next door. If you run into any issues, just know I'm here to help you. That's not a hard sell. It's a super soft conversation, but it's a conversation that in that one subdivision, he's on his sixth or seventh job. It's really interesting. And I, I think that um, this probably we get, uh, Aaron, we get you back for a round three. We can talk more specifically around solar. Um, so I do, I, but I do want to just talk briefly about just kind of the revenue opportunity that 
you, know, you started with in terms of kind of what some of the trends are, and obviously COVID is, has ratcheted up awareness to a certain degree. And now the example you just gave, what have you heard in terms of the commercial or, or revenue opportunity for this type of work? I mean, there's folks that will sub it out. There's folks that take it on themselves. Like you said, there's some easy, quote unquote, easy wins if you ask the right questions. What are you hearing from operators around that? Yeah, yeah. I'd say on, on average, what we see for bird jobs is they're for a commercial, you're typically between $2,500 and $5,000. Uh, and that's just your, your medium kind of strip mall type, uh, gas station type, um, you know, smaller commercial setting type jobs where it's, it's an issue where you're coming in, doing a clean out, um, installing uh, some product, whether it be spike or net or flat track or some avian block. And then depending on what you, what you install, uh, having a warranty or a service, um, a service contract on the back end. Hey, I'm going to visit it uh, monthly to make sure everything's in good repair or it's quarterly or biannual or what have you. Um, so it's not only that upfront job cost, you also have the ability to, to generate some recurring revenue. And uh, in our experience, the more often, uh, technicians or wildlife operators are out at a facility having conversations with their customers. Uh, you have an increased likelihood of, of selling or providing additional services. Yeah, that makes good sense. So, well, let's let's wrap up with just uh, who who to turn to for help. I, I will go ahead and do the shameless plug of uh, Viserys. Our our company stands behind um, all of our professionals, and we're certainly there. Our goal is also to make sure that we put our customers in touch with the the experts, and certainly from from a bird control standpoint. Uh, Aaron, you you and the Bird Be Gone team have been a tremendous resource. But uh, any specific tips or advice as we close out? Yeah, I, I think I think in COVID has pr- provided a very unique and strange opportunity for uh, most businesses. And I think that what I've seen it's been a, it's been a tale of two businesses this year. It's businesses that are creative and adapting, or those are the ones that are growing and having record years. Uh, the ones that aren't looking uh, creatively to diversify or grow their business in new ways are, are having a, a more difficult time of it. And I think for uh, the pest control industry, the wildlife uh, industry, bird control in general is an untapped market. Uh, and in, in our experience, uh, just providing bird control solutions, support and products uh, for upwards of, of or close to three decades now, um, what we've seen is that one in five of your existing customer base has an untreated bird control problem. So there's untapped revenue potential in your existing customer base. Wow, that's huge. And, and again, it's, it, you're not having to build a new business from scratch. These are relationships you already have. These are, um, these are routes that you're already running. It's just committing to having, having the conversation. It's committing to look for the signs of pest bird activity. And I think for those that are wanting to explore and get into it, um, I think you have great partners locally in Viserys and then us uh, nationally. Just give us a phone call. We have, uh, there's myself and eight other bird control professionals literally waiting to, to answer the phone calls. I think last year we answered 60,000 phone calls uh, between residential and commercial. Uh, and we answered, the, we answered the majority of those calls. I think it was 98% of them in less than 30 seconds. So when you call, we're going to answer. And most of those conversations, they take two to three minutes. And you have, you're, you're armed with the information you need 
to be the the expert in the conversation and put your customers' concerns at ease. Aaron, this has been fantastic. I really appreciate your time. And uh, we'll, we'll, you, folks, you can find the full line of, of bird management products on pestweb.com and uh, access to resources uh, at Bird Be Gone as well. Again, Aaron, thank you so much for your time. And uh, we look forward to having another conversation in the not-too-distant future. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Andrew. It was really fun. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the PestWeb Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, then head over to Spotify, iTunes, or any other major podcast platform. Write us a review and subscribe today. And don't forget to share this podcast with other pest control professionals. Thanks again. We'll see you next time.